All right, let's go back to page 39. And we, we've discussed about the 39... The 39 stripes. And we have discussed about uh, the beatings and some things of that nature. I hope that was interesting. Uh, and, and let me emphasize this. I've said it before. I may say some things, or you are in class, or, or and I know you already experienced this. There is, there is things that can be taught that are untrue. There are things that are truth. And I've never heard that before. I'm not sure about that. I'm not saying keep an open mind in the wrong way, but always as students and never quit being a student. Never. I don't care how old you are, what capacity of ministry you're in or what. Always remember, Paul did not instruct us, and I said this before and I'll say it over, Paul did not instruct us to go get a degree. He instructed us to be students of the word, study to show ourselves approved to work and not be ashamed of the divine word of truth. So listen to things at times and, and, and reason it because sometimes different ideas will help you understand why the word of God, what truth there is, or even how to combat what is untruth. Um, so, and the other analogy is that, you know, the FBI agent, he's going to be showed. Uh, no counterfeit. So you got to reason the balance of that, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Okay, Lord, let that spider go wherever he needs to go, and not let it be a disruption or, or disturbance or, or anything to this class in Jesus' name. Is he over me? Ah, he won't hurt us. Please, the blood will go away. <laughs> well, the church that I was in one time, they had a mouse running through the, the light oh, fixtures Lord, like that. Lord, we want no diseases that you put on Egypt. Uh, that's exactly Amen. right. Amen. <laughs> There's two passages of Scripture, uh, Isaiah 52, 14. And uh, Sister Joyce, I'm going to ask you to turn to that one. And um, I don't know if I picked on Tina too much today, so let's pick on Tina. Um, Tina. No, Tina. Tina. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now you're going to confuse me. Which one did I ask? <laughs> okay. All right. Tammy's next. Next time. I'm going to pick on Tammy. Uh, Tammy, go ahead and look up Jeremiah 31 31. That's a little bit later. Okay. Okay. But uh, who did I say 52 14? Okay. And then uh, Tina. Isaiah 53 2. Jeremiah what? 31 31. Okay. As many were as stone as feet, his vision was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Okay. All right, uh, Tina, if you'll read 53 too. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Okay. You know, I know we have portraits of we have portraits of Jesus, and a lot of that, especially if you see blue eyes, is Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I don't believe Jesus had blue eyes, no. and my wife's blue eyed, and I love no. blue, I love the fact of the color of blue for people in their eyes. But most of that is Catholicism. And, and I'm not saying that to, to be negative. I'm just making the point. Um, I, I can't stand here and tell you how handsome a man or, or whatever. I, I don't think Jesus was a wimp. 
You know, I don't think he was a bodybuilder and, and run around <laughs> with muscles uh, like we want to say that but Samson did. But he was not did. portrayed to be that skinny little man that everyone. Yeah. yeah. But I think really the emphasis that the prophet Isaiah is making that what he went through, it was it was terrifying. It would have been terrifying of what, what his demeanor would have looked like. Um, so... Uh, it's important to, to, to remember that, what he took. And, and I'm going to interject this real quickly. Um, and, and I know the revelation of truth, you know, just, just is, is enlightening itself. There was, a, there was something marvelous that took place, and I'm just interjecting this, marvelous that took place at the time of Jesus' resurrection. Now, Mary, she stayed at the tomb. She did not recognize Jesus. I don't know. I, I know. I don't know. I think there was a transformation. I really believe there was a transformation in his body. But still there was some wounds. And apparently she didn't see those wounds. We know that John did. I'm not John, but we know Thomas did. He, he asked. And, and I'm sure Jesus showed his, his, his wounds to the others. But but there again, that moment, we don't know everything that she had went through that weekend and all these disciples. Uh, I can even imagine the tears that she had shed. But what's amazing about that passage of scripture of John chapter 20, I believe it is, um, is one of the references, is when he called her name. When he called her name. So, you know, if we see by faith or even any kind of presentation that even Mel Gibbs has tried to attempt. Looking at the, the horrific suffering and brutation of his body ought to do something for us. I mean, it ought to shake us up. And, and I'll tell you how it even shakes me up in the natural sense. And think about this, not just in the death of Christ, but in, 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 in human nature. How can we be that brutal? How can we be that cruel? And then we turn around and we talk about peace and we talk about feeding kids. We talk about treating animals. Mm -hmm. Look at the human nature. And we know, we know, we know there is good, but we understand, we understand the, the, the negative, which is sin, the sin nature that causes all that. Um, so actually, even the, the brutality that Jesus take, take or was taken upon his body shows forth how how wicked man can be, how brutal we can be. Uh, deprived is a good word, or depravity. Um, to look upon Jesus that day when he was crucified would have been a person that would have been unrecognizable. He was a portrait of blood mingled in his hair, Think about what I said earlier, the bugs, the gnats, the flies. You can't do anything about it. It's, it's just making more uh, discomfort. Um, so his hair, his beard, his whole body would have been covered with blood. The cross would have been uh, covered with blood. The ground would have been covered with blood. Atonement had been made. Now, we understand that uh, Jesus' nakedness, 
uh, shame would have been covered by the blood. Thank God for that. Even there's the illustration of that. However, mm -hmm. the blood being poured out, it was it was still a covering, even though in the natural he was naked, and we know the humility of that and the shame. Our nakedness may now be covered because of his blood. The cross was covered with blood. The cross was a reproach to any Jew. Still it is. It's, it's a reproach to a Jew. Um, the blood then covers the reproach and cries for them to be drawn nigh to Christ that came to their Passover lamb. This established the true atonement for the house of Israel and the new covenant Jeremiah proclaimed in Jeremiah 31:31. Would you read that, sister? Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of, house of Israel and with the house of Judah. All right, read through verse 34. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and it shall be their God and they... And he and be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. Amen. Amen. So Jeremiah prophesies. He prophesies, you know, at least seven hundred years before. Um, that this new covenant is going to be instituted. And we know that it was done. And Jesus was the Passover. It's amazing Jesus was observing the Passover before he went to the cross. But he was the real Passover. Mm -hmm. Not all those lambs that were sacrificing. And if you recall, I spoke earlier about Exodus chapter 6 where it mm -hmm. talks about that God said, I'm going to outstretch, or with my outstretched arm. And there's reference there in Jeremiah that he's reminding them, the house of Israel, how that God did with his hand. He took him out of Egypt. But now, through my son, he's going to, he's going to write or rip the, the new covenant. And not only in a natural sense, but it's going to be upon your heart. Um, I don't have those notes before me, but there, there's, a, there's something to think about the, in, the, in the sense of us being believers, whether we're Jew or Gentile, and, and those Messianic believers, Actually, we have to remember something. God is not through with the house of Israel. Yes. So therefore, yes. there is yet the promises of God bringing them into that of liberation. And so I, I want to be careful because I don't have some notes before me, but I've got some of this in my dissertation, how that actually what God started He's not totally completed with the house of Israel. Because this is going to be written upon their hearts, their redemptive work. Um, and, and, and see where a lot of the dis uh, or, or the confusion with the house of Israel, even in the time of Jesus coming, would have been they were looking for somebody of authority to get them out from under the Roman government or pledge. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a Messiah. But Jesus came to do that that was ultimate 
for the redemption of man, his very soul, to be redeemed back into the kingdom of God, not just an earthly kingdom. So there is significance of where there's, there's, there's the necessity of what took place in Passover for the redemption of their soul, which initiated a national identity. But yet, the fact upon when Christ comes and future eschatological things or end time things, yet there is the liberation of the nation of Israel to be saved. And I know I've said a mouthful there, and maybe another time we can do some teaching in that area. Um, so Israel, you know, Paul even, even makes the statement that all Israel be saved. Uh, and matter of fact, he was at one point even being willing, if necessary, to be an outcast or be a castaway for the house of Israel and their salvation. But, but Christ has done what's needful and will fulfill it. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's move down to the blood covered the ground. Uh, you, you know, this is important, and, and I can only visualize going to a crime scene, and if, if we, for some reason, were able to go to that crime scene or were a part of the investigating, there may be blood on the ground. Well, that's evidence. That's evidence. Um, and, and there is something that I think is important here because we know that Abel would have been in the lineage that I believe that Christ would have came, and we know what took place there. God is it, God's going to keep his promise. Seth. Seth. He's the appointed one. And so even with the fact that Cain killed his brother, mm -hmm. the Bible says that his blood cried from the mm -hmm. ground. Mm -hmm. So the blood itself is a testimony. It's a witness. It's a witness. And so... We see uh, in this passage here, these two, two paragraphs here, it says how marvelous, and, and if you've read this fine and if you've never thought about this, I want you to think about what's being said here. How marvelous is this truth for with the blood covering the ground proclaims that Jesus came to atone for every person of the human race for the blood reached to the earthly chemical components of which mankind was created from. So I see that as a symbolic importance that as that blood came down and became a pool, even upon the ground, it was saying, I've come to reach my creation that was created mm -hmm. from this dirt, from this dust. Now, here's something, if you've read ahead and, and have already read this, that's fine. There is uh, in the Jewish culture and some, some uh, teachings of the Jewish uh, uh, ways that they believe that possibly the very place in the mountain range of, of Golgotha, that actually Adam and Eve may be buried somewhere there. Mm. Now, what's remarkable about that, if that if that's factual, but some, some Jews believe that, or some rabbis teach that, and Dr. Uh, D.L. Parker, that we used to have some association with, he has brought that out to us. But God's atoning, uh, if that be, God's atoning means re the means of God's atoning reach back as far as to those that were falling of God's righteousness and still reaches today to every person that ever will be born into this world in the nature of Adam. So what I find remarkable is the fact if they're buried in that range, how that the blood 
being in that range and them being buried there, God says, I'm going all the way back to the very beginning. You know. Um, so I, I find that, you know, at least interesting. Now, another thing that I think is important uh, is the fact that when the death angel came through that night, and I believe I mentioned part of what I'm fixing to say in our last, in one of our, or last time we met, um, when that death angel came through, he was looking for something. What was he looking for? He was looking for the blood to be applied to the door. And in the Hebrew, we think about the word Passover. Well, he would have passed over. But when that blood was applied and he saw it applied, actually, at that moment, every house that was not covered, and we know overall, the Egyptian houses wasn't. Now, what I want to interject here is that I believe, if I've understood scripture, there is possibly Egyptians that did get out. Oh, yeah. There was some that went out. So what did they know? They listened to truth. They listened. They listened. Okay. But every time that death angel was going from door to door, what was happening, we know that it was a horrific sorrow. I mean, we're talking about from King Pharaoh all the way down to the, to the lowest peasant, mm -hmm. Egyptian, yes. or where a house was covered. So where I'm going with this thought is we look at it in the sorrow of the moment of death mm -hmm. because of this great judgment. But yet there's something in the Hebrew we have to remember is that word Passover means actually leap or to dance. In the midst of every door where death came to, when they when the angels saw the blood, he was dancing. Yes. Praise God. In the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. Yes. Think about that. We see an example of that here. That angel was dancing. He was leaping because the blood atonement. All right, let's move to the next page. The nature of the cross. There's two things that I think that are important here in the nature of the cross is self-denial and obedience. Now, most of us, <laughs> I'm sure, are aware of what took place the night of Jesus' uh, arrest. He was in the Golgotha. I mean, in Golgotha. He was in Gethsemane. And we realized that, um, that he was in some great suffering there and great drops of, uh, of, of sweat as, as uh, that of blood. And we look at that as somewhat of a time that we realize, okay, he was not only obedient, but he immediately, we know, had to be working in self-denial. Mm -hmm. Your will be done, Father. Your will be done, Father. But I want us to think about what I just said, and let's look at some things that I think we need to comprehend. All right? Through self-denial and obedience, Jesus established the following. These are some things that he established, and if you read your book, you have heard some of these. Mm -hmm. Number one, that the cross bearing for himself or his disciple didn't begin with a material cross. That's the two words. Mm -hmm. Laid upon his shoulders. We must, as he did, learn to carry the cross throughout our whole life. Mm -hmm. There was a church that was in our area at one time, and they called it, uh, they called it cross life. Cross life. And so you understand the meaning of that. Cross life. It's a life of carrying the cross. 
Okay. What did the bearing of the cross mean for the Lord Jesus? Because of man's sin and fall from God, one must understand that sin requires judgments. Judgment. Jesus came to be to, to bring to naught the power of sin. And in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 8, it talks about that he came to destroy the works of the enemy. Yes. What are the works of the enemy? Well, it was definitely to uh, cause sin and failure in God's crown creation. Uh, I've got a note here on the side. The judgment that the cross bears cannot be separated. Okay, the cross, the cross and the blood can't be separated. They show light on each other, as we talked about earlier. But also we have to remember that judgment and the cross, that, that the cross bears cannot be separated. So there is an identity that judgment has to be carried out. So when we see back at Passover time, if the blood wasn't applied, there was judgment. Now we see that there's the identity of the blood and the cross. Yes, judgment's being carried out. It's being carried out upon Christ. But what's beautiful about that is Jesus came to bring naught to the power of sin. So thank God judgment was carried out at the cross, but it exempts us from having to continue with the power of sin. We can be victorious, but also it takes our judgment. Only Jesus in his own person could bring a naught to sin. Yes. Jesus was born in the flesh with the weakness of the flesh and with every possible means to be tempted and was tempted to sin. Jesus was tempted. Yes. And, and I'm going to say this. You may need this or somebody that hears this recording. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy in your ear when you're tempted because he's going to try to use that to manipulate, well, you shouldn't even be being tempted. Mm. Well, now, we may lead ourselves in ways that we allow the enemy to know what's going on in our life, that he will tempt us in those areas. Mm -hmm. So those are places where we need to get victory over things or whatever. But there again, just because we're tempted does not mean that we're a failure, and the enemy will use that just mm -hmm. because you're tempted. And we begin to reason it out, and the next thing you know, well, it goes, it goes the wrong way. Um, from his baptism into Gethsemane, Jesus had to take up his cross. Have you ever thought about that? From the time he was inaugurated or the inauguration of his, his earthly ministry, there as John baptized in, in the river, the Father spoke, the Holy Spirit descended, Jesus the Son is standing there, and his declaration of baptism was not to wash away sins, it was to speak about righteousness that was coming. So from his baptism until Gethsemane, Jesus had already taken up his cross. So that all of his life would be lost and doing nothing but the will of his Father. So he had become submissive before. Matter of fact, I think we can go even back further than that. Because we find Jesus making a statement to his own mother and daddy when they came back to find him in Jerusalem. He was 12 years of age. He said, I'm about my father's business. Yeah. 
And it wasn't a defying Jesus of being disobedient with his parents. He was only declaring what he could. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, I put it on I, I put it on the circumstances of him being 12 years of age, and it wasn't the neglect of Mary, it wasn't the neglect of, of Joseph not knowing where he was. Let's just think. She could have thought, okay, at 12, he's he's at the age of pretty much becoming a man in Bar Mitzvah. He's probably with the guys. Mm-hmm. Well, he's still with mama. And then three days later, they find out, hey, he ain't even in the company. We're on our way back to Nazareth. We better turn around and find out where he's at. You know? And they get back, and, you know, we know the rest of the story. So he wasn't defying his mom and dad uh, in the fact, you know, but he made, a, he made a statement there when he said, I'm about my father's business. So we see, I believe, even there, he had already began to move into uh, this self-denial and obedience. <clears throat> Jesus actually was tempted to sin, to to the sin of Mm self-assertion. Self-assertion, to which means self-right. Is it it rightful to eat? Isn't that a pleasure? I mean, doesn't this body need food and nourishment? So that that could be a self-assertion. The proper. I mean, we need to take care of our bodies. We need to feed ourselves. But yet, what was Jesus willing to do? He was willing to be led, not by the devil, by the Spirit, into the wilderness. Yes, he was tempted there. Yes, he was tempted in the natural. He had fasted or was fasting 40 days. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you can get hungry in two days. You can get two, mm-hmm. hungry in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us, I think we just got through eating. We probably go nibble on something. That's what we call no self-control. Okay. <laughs> that may not be self-assertion. He has food we do not know of. Okay. He, has, he, he said that one time Thank to the disciples Lord. in John 4. Okay. So, but, but self-assertion, we need to remember, there is certain things that are that are right. Let me just say it's rightful mm-hmm. to take care of self. Mm-hmm. You know. But there may be times that we need to realize that we we need some self denial. Mm, help me Jesus. Okay. I only ate one sandwich. I only ate one sandwich, I promise, but when Porky said it's all the same on the on other end, I thought of I thought of Dagwood. Boy, I can just lay the next layer on. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't, I did not, I did not do it. I did not do it. Okay, let's get, okay. All right. Jesus overcame the temptation to satisfy lawful, you might want to underline that, lawful desires. Jesus overcame the temptation to satisfy lawful desires. From the first temptation to obtain bread for hunger till the last one that was he might not have to drink this bitter cup of death. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you something you can agree with my thought or you can disagree with me. Jesus did pray, let this cup pass from me. All right, there's, there's two different thoughts with that. I'm going to give you the two thoughts. One, and there may be more, but the two that I'm familiar with at the moment is that Jesus was praying, Lord, let this cup pass you know, I mean, the flesh don't want to die. That's right. Okay? And you've probably heard that preached. 
You may have taught that. You may have preached that. He's praying, Lord, you know, if this cup can pass. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is, and I think there's some credence with this thought. Lord, let this cup pass. This is not your plan. Because when you start sweating great drops of blood, blood. there is physical mm -hmm. stress on your body that could bring mm -hmm. death. That's what I take. Well, he could yeah. have also meant, let it let it take place quickly. Let it be over with quick. Okay. And, and you know what? If that's so, and I'm not doubting, mm. think about what took place in six hours. Oh, and wow. then when they came, it was quick. Mm. In that sense, because there was yeah. people that stayed longer than that on the cross. Mm. And they didn't, they didn't put them out of their misery with breaking their leg, if you want to call that taking them out of their misery, because they couldn't, they began to suffer and, and suffocate quicker. Good, good point. Very good point. Okay. Jesus learned obedience and became perfect in his flesh. He declares the complete victory over the power of sin. For page 26 of the textbook, it states this, and yours could be 25 or 27. <laughs> his death on the cross was the last and most glorious achievement in his personal victory over the power of sin. From this atoning death of the cross derived its value. For reconciliation was necessary if guilt was to be removed. No one can contend with sin without at the same time coming into conflict with the wrath of God. These two cannot be separated from one another. We've already stated that judgment uh, cannot be separated from the cross. The Lord Jesus desired to deliver man from sin. He could not do this except by, except by suffering death as a mediator. And in that death suffering, the curse of God's wrath against sin and bearing it away. But his supreme power to remove guilt and the curse did not, lie, did not lie merely in the fact that he endured so much pain and suffering of death, but that he endured in all in willing obedience to the Father for the maintenance and glorification of his righteousness. Now in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. So there's the obedience. To the point of death, there's self-denial. Even death on a cross, for the reason also God highly exalted and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So even with that declaration, I want you to think about what God declared. This is a, this is a declaration by God of victory, of what Christ done. He humbled himself because Jesus humbled himself. He was obedient even to the point of self-denial. God exalts him and he bestows a name on him. And yes, he was already being called the name, the two points here that you need to fill in, that name is Jesus, and it means Savior. You don't mean mediator. Well, that's what he was. He so was a mediator, but, 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 but that's fine Jesus if you want to, yeah. But, but actually, Jesus means Savior. That Jesus, the name is Jesus, 
and it means, but he is the mediator. There's nothing wrong with that, but but uh, in the terms of, of what we're looking at, the name Savior. and what it means, yes. Yeah. All right, key results. On page 28 of the text, it says, and now what do you think? So we're being asked a question. If the blood, living and powerful through the Holy Spirit, comes into contact with our hearts, and if we rightly understand what the blood of the cross means, it is possible that the blood should not impart its holy nature to us. But as the blood could not have been shed apart from the sacrifice of self on the cross, so it cannot be received or enjoyed apart from a similar sacrifice of self. That in our work, there will be a conformity to and an imitation of the crucified one making self-sacrifice the highest and most blessed law of our lives. The blood is a living, spiritual, heavenly power. It will cause the soul that is entirely surrendered to it to see and know by experience that there is no entrance into the full life of God except by the self-sacrifice of the cross. That is a big mouthful to digest. I suggest read it, read it, <laughs> and let the Lord speak. But I think he hits the point except by the self-sacrifice of the cross. In closing of these thoughts in this particular lesson, the way this is divided, the master calls us to a life of taking up what? The cross. The cross and what? Following him. Following him. Now, I want to ask you a question. There was times that Jesus told them to take up the cross and follow him. Mm -hmm. But also, we find when he first called those disciples, he called them and told them to follow. Later, he talked more about the cross. And that was as they were maturing and they were learning. They were under his instruction and, and being taught. So their life was from the initial to that of becoming a life of cross-bearing and taking up the cross. Now, there's some scriptures here. And I'm just going <clears> to <throat> brief them. I'm going to give you some points to think about. Scriptures to expound upon about denying ourselves and taking up the cross. And uh, Sister Tammy, look at Matthew 10, 38. Janice, I'll get you involved in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Uh, Sister Sheila, if you'll do Mark 8, 34. And I skipped over you, Sister Teresa, but Mark 10, 21. Mark 10, 21? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I've got enough for everybody. Yeah, All right. 16, what? Matthew 16, 24. 24. 16, 24. And then Luke 9, 24 with um, Sister uh, Meredith. And uh, the, the last one, uh, I gave you Luke 9, 23, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, I'll pick on Joyce this time. Or did I say <laughs> Tina? Tina, did I give you one? I didn't give you one, did I? Not this time. Okay. I'll pick on Joyce. Uh, Luke 14, 27. I'd have enough of Janice out, but let's, let's just put her in too. All right, if we've got Matthew 10, 38. 
And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Okay. If you saw a picture of Jesus, and we know it's just a picture, um, and we saw a picture of uh, Putin, we'd know the different identities. Oh, gosh. Well, I better not say that. I start to say something. <laughs> okay, behave yourself, Harry. Uh, let's be politically correct. <clears throat> okay, there's proper recognition. That's what that scripture is talking about. Proper recognition. Read, read that latter part, Sister Tammy, if you write there again. And, and in other words, if you don't follow after me, it's not worthy of me. Okay, not worthy of me. Okay. We don't have a proper recognition of who he is. We're belittling who he is. Yes. Okay, in Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay. All right. What I hear is deny. I hear the action of taking up and to follow. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to proceed with that in another way of saying that. Threefold. I just gave you threefold. Deny, take up, and follow. But to deny um, is to deny is to take um, action. You start doing something. And then... Um, it says to take up, well, you begin a practice. And then thirdly, it says to follow, that becomes a lifestyle. So they were told to deny, take up, and follow. So there has to be the action. There has to be where it comes into a practice, and a practice becomes a lifestyle. That deny of our will mm -hmm. what Christ did mm -hmm. in Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but your exactly. will be mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I don't know. I've never even clicked that together, even though I knew that it was self-denial of ourself mm -hmm. and our own desires. But that's the same thing Jesus prayed in the garden. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right, who had uh, Mark 8.34? Mark 8.34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay. Now there's something there that I think that's important because a lot of times we're hearing Jesus say to his disciples. And we know that Jesus had more than 12 disciples. Okay. Um, if you need a thought on that, he sent out 70. Mm -hmm. Not only that, we, the scripture tells us that there was at least 500 that saw him after his death, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before he ascended back or in resurrection. And we do know in John chapter number 6, there was those that turned away from him and never followed him anymore mm -hmm. after the discord about mm -hmm. the bread and, and the, uh, the cup. Yeah. They were offended. Yeah. Okay. So. Huh? And there were women to 
exactly. that followed him. Exactly. Exactly. Mary was one of them. Mary was one of them. Mm -hmm. Lazarus. Uh, uh, I, I believe that. Mary and uh, Martha. Martha. Uh, yep. Um, yeah. Um, and, and here's something to think about. I'll just throw out uh, when they did the uh, the Passover meal. It's believed possibly it could have been in Mark's mother's house. Yes. So, okay. And how many people would have been there that were serving and that were disciples? Mm-hmm. We just see the 12, and I know I've said this before, every one of you have seen the picture of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. You know why all of them sitting on one side. Jesus looked at him and said, boys, come on to this side of the table. Let's fix and take our picture. Okay. <laughs> All right. Boy, that's real unbiblical, isn't it? Don't talk about it here and tell it. Okay. He was really waiting for something spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Judas, straighten up your, your, your smirky smile there with what you're fixing to do. Okay. All right. Um, I hope y'all love my humor, at least. I hope oh, yeah. it keeps you. Okay. Juvenated. Okay, what I saw in that scripture that stood out, Jesus was not just talking to his 12. He was talking to the crowd. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. See how we can miss little tidbits there if we're not yes. careful? Because it was common for him to remind his disciples. But here he was talking about those who probably were not already committed. Okay, again, he summons and invited his disciples, but also the crowd. And I think it goes back to the threefold that I spoke of just a moment ago. They had to put it in action, they had to practice, and it needs to become a lifestyle. Then in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 21. Okay. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, <laughs> One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give it to the poor, Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Who was he talking to there? Everyone. He was, well, he is, but he was talking in the dialogue of that moment of that event, of that event to, to a that rich, rich young Lord. Yes, yes, yes. And he would have been a Jew. He would have been a Jew. Is it wrong to be rich? No. no. <clears throat> what his heart lied more was in treasures and riches, mm. and he Priority. didn't want to give it up. He yep. didn't want to give it up. Right. Priorities. Uh-huh. He didn't want to follow in self-denial. Self-denial. Right. But just he think about up. something. Even if his priorities would have been set in order and he would have sold, look at the increase. Mm-hmm. And how God would have allowed the possibilities of what benefits he would even receive in blessing from what he had. God's going to multiply. That's, right. mm-hmm. That's why Egypt was blessed. That's why the house of Israel was blessed. And even his name means addition. Joseph. Every bad situation that we look at and think of it as a bad situation with Joseph turned up better than tulips. And Job. Job, yes. God increased him. I'll tell you, a beautiful message is in his three dollars. I've preached it a couple of times. His three dollars, their, their names, what they mean, after he had ten more children. 
those three dollars. It's beautiful what's in their their story. But look at the people that sell their soul for money. Oh yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Could you? Uh, <laughs> Okay, he said Joe's three daughters. Mm -hmm. He had three daughters. Just look up at their, just look their names up in Hebrew. Okay. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful message. And I've never heard anybody preach on it except me. And boy, I'm gonna pat myself on the shoulder. <laughs> okay. Um, I need to find that in my archives and mm -hmm. preach it again. All right, Luke chapter nine and verse uh, twenty-three. All right. Fetch them all. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Okay. What did Jesus do? He said something in a time matter, didn't he? He did. Daily. 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 Not just once, yeah. but daily. And I think possibly the fact that if he was talking to his disciples, and he was, he had already called them three years before, technically. Probably by the time we get to this passage of scripture, and that was one of the first things come out of the mouth: "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Mm -hmm. And then, as they continued with the walk with him, they began to hear this cross walk, began to walk in it. Some, yeah, there was times Peter had issues, don't we all? And then Jesus emphasized, "Hey, this got to be a daily thing. I'm talking about the lifestyle now. Yeah, mm -hmm. the lifestyle." lifestyle. Hey, you know, there's been a time, maybe Peter, yeah, you did uh, you did take some action. Hey, Thomas, I saw some practice, but guys, <laughs> it's, it's time to make it lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And really, I think even after his death is really when it kicked in. Yeah. I mean, it really kicked yeah. in. Hey, yeah. hey, we've got something to live for, even if we die, yes. if we die for it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes uh, people are not famous until they leave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Say famous. that again. They're not famous until, until they're dead. dead. That's true. That's true. Wow. That's true. I know this probably doesn't line up with this, but there's a lot of people, and I'm not going to call names, in order to become famous, sold their soul oh, yes. to the devil. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. 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 I can name some of them. All yes. A lot of the government. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Illuminati's good gosh, Lord help us. Mm. Yes, yes, but yes. The Romans, when he died, the Romans realized after he died, mm. he truly was the son of God. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 And that's when he recognized it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Surely this wow. must have been the son of God. That is. Wow. We have to keep our eyes on the price. Yes. That's right. That's our the eyes main on thing. The price. Right. Yeah. That's why Jesus said we're more than overcomers. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said, I've over already overcome the world. Mm -hmm. He said, be a, a good, good cheer. cheer. Yes. I've given this illustration before. Mm -hmm. A boxer trains. We don't know how long he might have trained. I mean, he may have trained all his life, but I mean, he knows he's got a bout coming up. Mm -hmm. And he's going to train for that. And he's going to prepare himself. And I'm just going to say the prize is a belt and, and a million dollars. Mm -hmm. When he steps in that room, I mean in that ring, right. and fights, he's going to get beat up, son. But he wins that bout. You know what the overcomer being more than an overcomer is? Is when he walks out of that ring, they place that belt on him. And they've already put his hands up in the air. He's the victor. Not the victim, the victor, even though he may have bloody eyes and whatever. And he's proclaimed the champion. He's he's overcome. 
I'm going to tell you, when they put that million dollar check in his hand, and he looks over and he hands it to his wife. He says, honey, go do whatever you want to with it. She's more than an overcomer. <laughs> That's what Jesus done for us. That's exactly and right. I ain't getting in no, ba- in no, ma- a, no boxing match for my wife to, to win a million dollars. <laughs> That is what he did for us. All right. He took, he took uh, the beating for us. That's right. That's right. Now, I would defend her, but I didn't mean I would be, you know. Oh, mercy. All right. Let's, where, where are we at? I've lost my place. Verse 27. And whosoever do yes. not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If you don't do what he told you to do by that cross, you forget it. ain't got nothing you do. Profound, that's a profound statement. That's good. Jesus, and this is what, I, and I really don't know if I even say this after what she just said. She just said it. Mm-hmm. Jesus re-emphasized during the middle last, middle late ministry before his passion of Christ. It's got to be a cross life. Mm-hmm. And you said, it. you said, it. it's got to be a cross. Otherwise, you don't identify with me. Yeah. Just think about the final words that some people are going to hear. Sorry, I never did. And the thing about it is, Jesus suffered so much. So if he could suffer, we should be able to suffer some things in this life. That's yeah. right. We should be able to bear our cross. Yep. We owe that to him. Exactly we, we, right. We do. We do. Yes. We do. Well, we can do the flip. Jesus, it said he suffered in all ways like, mm-hmm. like we do. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he can identify with our suffering. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't follow his that's exactly right exactly right all right the second part of this lesson lesson four the way I've, I've had it laid out on page 42 the power of the cross <laughs> now this is going to go a little bit more with where we've already been but we're reusing the scripture out of Colossians 1:20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. <clears throat> I believe I, I read it last time. I think I'm fine. I'm not going to read it again. Uh, then the complete Jewish gives us the understanding it's a stake. Uh, but all of it's rendering back to the, the power of the cross here. All right. In our last lesson, we examined the nature of the cross. The two subpoints that gave insight to the nature of the cross were self-denial and obedience. So that's the two things. What is it, I'm sorry? Self-denial and obedience. On page 42, the first two uh, lines or inserts. All right. Now, this is going to be, I know, I know. Uh, I can't remember if this one I just said is, is, is a, a test question, but I know this on the power of the cross, it is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 118, the Apostle Paul acknowledges that the cross is the power of God. And then the verse that we're speaking of, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now I'm going to read that verse another way. And I'm not trying to change, and that's coming out of the King James and whatever you use, but I'm going to read it to you in a paraphrase that I have done. And I think you'll understand, and I'm not trying to take away from anything. All right. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, is, perish silliness. 
But unto us which are saved, it is the authority of God. Ooh, I like that. You see the strength of that? What version is that? Uh, Dr. Harris. That's, that's what he said. You be sure if you use that that you put it in quotation marks and put a footnote. Or I'll sue you. This sounds like a real version. This sounds really good. I need to hear this. <laughs> you must have taken some funny films. Oh, Lord. <laughs> what you say about the authority? What's the authority? Okay. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time out of the, out of the uh, Dr. Wood version. <laughs> For the, boy, Meredith's making me feel good right now. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish silliness, but unto us which are saved it is the authority of God. Wow. To those that perish, it's silly. <laughs> to us that are saved, we see that it's the authority of God. Yes, amen. All right. Now we have one of our terms that's coming up, or some of our terms. We see the word preaching. In John 1 1, we find this terminology of logos. Mm-hmm. Also, there is divine, it's talking about the divine expression of God. There's the rhema. Now, let me give an explanation here, and, and, and I would. <coughs> Uh, let you know that this is part of your vocabulary, and here's the answer. So use it. Uh, something said, including the thought by implication of topic, subject, or discord. Scores also reasoning, the mental faculty uh, or motive by extension, a computation uh, specifically uh, with the article in John, the divine expression that he is Christ. Account, cause, communication, I'm not going to read all those words, but talk, speech, things of that nature. Utterance, treatise. Okay, the word of God within itself is Logos. It's written. It's a divine expression. We know that men were inspired of the Holy Spirit. They were moved on. So we know that it's a, a divine expression. We know uh, that the word itself is the Logos. Now, what's important is when it becomes rhema. Not that Logos is not important, but the rhema is when the Spirit, we know the Spirit is spoken to us. Yes. It comes alive. It comes alive. When I was laying there on a gurney, and Exodus 15, 26 come to me, the Lord said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. When you go back to the Hebrew, Greek, the, the English doesn't do it justice. You go back to the Hebrew, it says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. What I'm trying to say is, I can quote that verse all day long, and I can know that verse, but when it comes alive by the Spirit, it's going to take place. It's going to take place. That's right. That's the difference. We need the Logos. Remember that. Yes. We need the Logos. Then we have the cross. It's a stake or a post. A pole or cross is an instrument of capital punishment. That's another thing to remember. Jesus, they were carrying out capital punishment on him, and the only really offense that he really was guilty of was love. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they could put over his cross was that he, well, they wanted him to say, they wanted Pilate to change it. But he put Jesus, King of the Jews. Jews. And see, the thing about it was, if you don't know this, it's important that you know this, it was 
important, and they were to put the offense over their head. Mm -hmm. And their they scripture. Had no offense. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But that's all he could put. Yeah. Right. But see, even Pilate done it right because it's he not he is. says, yeah. he is. Yeah. He right. is. Yes. So Pilate did it right. Amen. His accusation was right. Mm -hmm. But if you go to uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verses 15, I think it is, mm -hmm. it talks about how the enemy is disarmed. And it talks about the ascends and the ascends and uh, I can't remember exactly. Somebody turn to Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It may be in here, but uh, it, 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 it's in line with what we're talking about. How that on the cross, in a sense, our charge, you got it, Janice? 14, I believe it is, 214. Logging out the handwriting. handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Did you hear what was just said? Hmm. Our sins that we're guilty of was nailed to his cross. Yeah. The only thing that they really could put in reference to him was he is the king of Jesus. Hmm. Whatever we were was nailed there. He destroyed it. He destroyed it. He took our capital punishment. He took what yes. we was worthy of death. Thank the you, Lord. cross did. Praise God. It's like that song, it wasn't sin that held Jesus, nailed Jesus to the cross. Uh -huh. His love, love. love. Yes. His love. His love. All right, I'm going to give you something to think about for a moment. And you might want to answer. How does the world view the cross? world how does the world in general view the cross what's some things that you would think would be how does the world i would say some man-made you know because when we walk our necklaces on and we don't really know the power behind the cross you got people don't even say wearing crosses mm -hmm. and we've made it like nothing more than something of the flesh and man-made yeah you're on target some yeah. people look at it as a, just an idol instead of mm -hmm. just being worn because yeah. you get them real big and yeah. they get them yeah. real and just the same. in a way they want to. Yeah. 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 Well, most people don't believe in the cross. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Or it's just a religious, yeah. re religious relic. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's no more important than the symbol of Satan or, right. or David. And I'm just using those illustrations. Don't misunderstand me. There is a difference. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. There's a difference. Okay, I've got a cross at the house, and it's not worth a dime as far as really the money, especially the change. You got to do. And, and that was given to me. Uh, somebody told me people in prison make these. And, wow. But the guy, he never said he was in prison. But, but I don't know, but he gave it to me, and Janice has got one, and hers is red. But I've got a cross, and, and I'll probably wear it by the end of August for a day or two. And I know the message of the cross. The cross is what Jesus was crucified on. Right. So when I look at the cross, and we do, we look at it in the right perspective. That's why it's the authority. We realize that's where our salvation was wrought. But to the world, it's foolish. 
Yeah. It's silly. It's silly. It is. And if they do put any value, it's a piece of gold, 14 oh. carat, or whatever, or it's bling bling, or mm. how big I can get it, or whatever. It's beautiful to look at. Beautiful to look at, yeah. or it makes me feel religious. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Makes me feel religious. And some people will wear one who aren't even Christian. That's so right. Like you say, just because they think it's a pretty ornament. And uh-huh. even in a cultic way, to think about this, or mm. or or demonic. Mm. What is in the legend of Dracula? Mm. Blood. The cross. Blood. But the stake mm. being dropped. Oh my gosh. Think about it. How it's been perverted. Yeah. See how it's been perverted. See. Yeah. Okay. As I said, I'll be wearing this cross for a few days. I know the real message of the cross. The reason I will wear that cross is I've got a dear friend that I've known since the second grade. When he passed away, I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord in about 2016. Become one of the best church members I had. That cross is not worth much, even the chain. But I wear it because he gave it to me. Missed the sentiment of it. And he was, but I know the real message, and I knew he knew the real message after he gave his heart to the Lord. One of the reasons, though, is because it was the last Christmas that we were together. That's all he had to give me. Jesus was willing to take the cross because that's all he could give us. But he gave us the ultimate. You see the parallel. That's the only reason I told you that. Well, I wear a cross because my mother was Catholic, and she always had a cross that had Jesus, you know, yeah, that's the actual Jesus on it. So I bought her one that did not have Jesus on it when I led her to the Lord. Praise the Lord. And she wore this even in her casket. Okay. And before they closed the casket, I said, I want the cross. The cross. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about how the world views the cross, how we how we view it in some aspect with a few things that's been said, even what you said, Sister Sheila Kay. I want to give you something. And you, from this day, you might walk out and start looking at things different. And you may have already seen this. If you look at logos of companies, mm-hmm. there's hidden messages. Oh, yeah. Basket Robbins, even in their letters, is 31. They patronize 31 flavors. flavors. Okay, let me tell you something that come to me one day, and I haven't seen it in all the McDonald's. But we've got a McDonald's in Winston-Salem unless they've remodeled and they took it down inside. I was in there years ago, and all of a sudden I walked up and looked over before I gave my order, and there's this plaque on the wall. Okay, we know the name McDonald's, and it was two brothers mm-hmm. that right. formed it. Early, somewhere around the early 60s, three or four years after, there was a guy by the name of Ray Kroc. He stole it. Huh? He pretty much stole it. Well, okay. All right, you know a little more. Uh-huh. Okay. But he ended up with it until he, well, before he died. Uh-huh. But one of the things that stood out in my mind, and I thought of the cross. There's no cross in what I'm fixing to tell you. But that emblem was, or that plaque was him. It was just his head. It was him. And there was the arch coming out of the top of his head, coming down, and then we've got the M, the golden arches. Mm -hmm. Right over from that was the globe, the world. Mm -hmm. 
Immediately it clicked. Yeah. McDonald's will reach the world. Wow. Wow. See the power of the message of oh, things? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, folks, we need to realize what we're handling. Yeah. We're handling the message of the cross yeah. that will the save world. the world. Yeah. Yes. It will save the world. Wow. Okay. Can I yes, ma'am. Just like you talking about McDonald's, just like Burger King. A lot of these restaurants and stuff like that, the gangs. Yeah. They symbols that mm-hmm. the gang get. Mm-hmm. It's symbols of some big restaurants. Yeah. Just like that. Wow. Gang members, they won't eat at Burger King. Yeah. And when you see them walking around with a red or keychain and hanging out in their pocket of certain colors of red pencils. Mm-hmm. Hanging out their pocket and stuff like that. Me a whole lot of them. These restaurants. Wow. My goodness. Wow. Look at the symbol of Starbucks. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have to know these things are satanic. Right. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. yes, it's owned by it's always a homosexuals. Mm-hmm. Yes. When oh. I was taking my chaplaincy, we had to take, I had four years of CPE, and we had a, <laughs> a cop come in and talk with us and he showed us a whole lot of things I even never thought about that gangs and stuff like mm-hmm. this. Wow. How they wear one leg, pant leg, close yeah. up and the other one not. Mm-hmm. I mean like the pencils and the belts and all that it's all that symbolic. Of their gang. Well it's like tennis uh-huh. shoes hanging from the telephone yeah. wires. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's a sign we sell drugs here. Hmm. You know, be it the shoe of the sun. I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew there was some kind of shoe. That's where they sell drugs, and that's how they let people know where to go. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the pants below the the bottom end represent. I'm doing all kinds of stuff today. I do jailhouse ministry, and let me tell you, they tell you some stuff in there. They've told us how to get by with. When you go for your urine test for drugs, mm-hmm. how to get through that, you wear like drawstring pants and you got, you know, oh, like a shoestring yeah. in it. You dip that in bleach before you oh, go. Really? And then when you turn in your sample, you dip that in there and it messes your urine up. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. mercy, mercy. All right, let's 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 move along here. All right, we have another one of our terms that's in our vocabulary. Is is par- wow. Oh, I thought y'all started to say she was having me to go for a drug test. No. Okay. no, I was just picking at her. Y'all are funny. I think we all are. I, I did. I, I know we're off. We're off the subject. For I sure. Did, I did. I did. I did hear. I did hear this, and this is supposed to be true. A friend of mine told me this. He said he worked with a guy one time, and got fired mm. and uh, what it was he, he knew he had a drug test and he let his wife and he tried to he tried to go in he got in and he actually put her urine in the cup right well the bad side of that whole well I guess I guess in one way I guess if, if they want the child fine but pregnant <laughs> that's how he found out his wife was pregnant and oh. now he has no job 
Oh. That's a bad scenario. Oh, oh my! Lord. Oh mercy! No. That things like that happen. It happens. It happens. It really does. Somebody else take it for Oh yeah. It should. Okay. Let's look at another one of our terms here, and I'm not going to go into all these because I am going to make a couple comments. But but anyway, because these are things you can read, and they're supposed to be in your vocabulary. And and uh, but the word perish. Uh, we understand means to destroy or die. Uh, and so we bring this back to the significance of what we were talking about over here in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians um, because, you know, it talks about how they shouldn't perish. But they're looking at this as being silly. But God's saying, look, look at what's going to happen here. If you, if, if you don't listen to the preaching of the cross and you think it's just foolishness and silliness, you're going to die. You're going to perish. If you look to me... The Savior on that cross, you know, we, we've got a symbol in the Old Testament where Moses was to, told to take, and they were looked to that serpent. Mm -hmm. They were looked at that brazen serpent as an example. And today that symbol is used with medical, yes, the is. medical field. Mm -hmm. yes, it is. So we've got to look at who is on the cross and realize it will keep us from perishing. Right. We understand the word foolishness there. Uh, it, it talks about being the, uh, the what's the word? Somebody help me. Um, ludicrous. Ludicrous. That's it. Uh, it'd be easier for me to say licorice. Ludicrous, <laughs> ridiculous, or silliness. And that's where I got the term in my my translation. Thank you. Um, the doctor would translation. The, the silliness. Okay. <laughs> and uh, something uh, ludicrous or something that is irrational. Um, so illogical. Uh, actually, uh, the word in Congress, in Congress, uh, meaning something that doesn't fit in or that is uh, jargon in relationship to its surroundings. So a lot of people are going to want to make or do, they want to make the cross of no significance. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit in here. Yeah. We don't want it at City Hall. We don't want this, you know. They want to, they want to disassemble. Okay, all right. Then the word "saved" um, actually gives us the understanding of that that's delivered or protected, healed, preserved, saved, well, made whole. There is a very close similarity of the word "peace" or "shalom." Uh, mankind's welfare through God's benevolence. He's a God they love. That's exactly what takes place upon him uh, being obedient and going to the cross. We find the power, which is his authority. We come with the word that every one of us is good Pentecostals. Also note dunamis, mm -hmm. which is by force, specifically miraculous power. Dynamite. Dynamite, yes, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. All right, wonderful or mighty work, those kind of things, even to the point of violence. Mm -hmm. All right, through the work of the cross, or in the, in the cross of Christ. Uh, two things that Christ accomplished through the power of the cross. Christ subdued sin's power. Mm -hmm. Then Christ destroyed sin's guilt. Ah. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and you can write it down if you want to, and I'm not belittling the Old Testament. The Old Testament is our foundation. The Old Testament sacrifices, sacrifice economy could never accomplish. Mm -hmm. It could never accomplish subduing the power of sin 
and it could not destroy sin's guilt. Now, I'm probably going to say this again. Here is where most believers live. If they have any knowledge of reconciliation and redemptive work and being saved as a believer, they realize that they have been saved. They realize Jesus has saved them from their sins. But a lot of people live in two areas of their life where we are denying the power of God and denying the work of Calvary is when we will not acknowledge that he has subdued the power of sin. Now, there's arguments between this group and that group. Well, you're going to sin every day. Well, no, you don't have to sin at all. Now, wait a minute. Let's get a balance that's spiritually and scriptural. We don't have to go out here and sin every day. We do not have to practice sin. Yes, are we going to sin? Possibly. You know, we could possibly not even mean to sin, but we're not going to live a lifestyle. That's right. We're not going to practice sin because it's been subdued. Sin's power. And here's the real biggie that I think that takes place. Even though they attempted to place the guilt on that animal and laid their hands on that animal and they would go and sacrifice that animal or release one of them into the wild, they were saying, our sin be gone. And then next time they come back, they're they're doing the same thing. Uh There wasn't a real sacrifice there on their part. Yeah. But when Christ did it, he subdued the power. And Christ destroyed sin's guilt. Now, there is a lot of people that I believe that are believers. They love Jesus. They're, they're, They're serving him to the best of their ability. They're wanting to grow in the things of God. But they let the devil, the enemy beat them up with guilt because they've never really truly accepted the forgiveness that Jesus, and they've not forgiven themselves. And the devil is beating them up. But if I could say one thing, and it sinks in to a new believer, is he has subdued the power of whatever. And he has forgiven you. You are not guilty of it no more. I don't right. care what the law says. Yeah. It doesn't. Hey, it doesn't matter. You are not guilty. That's right. There may be a record, and I said this last time. There may be a record in Raleigh of my driving record back when I first got my driver's license of two speeding tickets. But in God's economy, when we have something that's a sin, when He forgives us, it does not exist anymore. Amen. That's why I have a problem, and thank God for programs. Yeah, I believe there's people that's walked through the 12 step. But listen, I'm going to tell you what. There is no need to stand up if you're a believer and say, well, I'm so-and-so, and I've been clean now for three months, and I'm an alcoholic. Well, are you an alcoholic, or you've been delivered? That's right. I'm not going to speak what I used to be when I know that God has delivered me. My Uncle Charles, or Uncle C, we called him, he got saved. He was a drunk, an alcoholic, and God took the drink. That's what we're not teaching and preaching anymore, God's deliverance. And I'll tell you, we can get like Rod Parsley if we have to. I couldn't believe what he'd done years ago, sister. We was watching him on TV. This lady came up and she says, I want to be delivered of cigarettes. 
He said, you want to be delivered a cigarette, sister? Yes, I do. He said, repeat after me. You ain't going to believe what Rod Parsons said. He said, I want you to pray, God, if I smoke another cigarette, kill me. Oh, no. You better be serious. Well, that might be, but I'm telling you what. I, and I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. I know, I know. I, but, but wow. listen, really that's where we've got to get in our relationship. True. Is God, mm-hmm. I don't want to live like this no more. Yes. Well, he knew if she really meant it, she'd be willing to pray that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I believe there's people that's had to say, God, I've got to, I, you know, I know that you died for me. I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that this thing's got to die. This thing's got to die. I know, I know there was a fellow that, well, I couldn't do what he'd done, but he's gone to be with the Lord now. I won't go into all the details. But pretty much was he said, God, if I continue to live like that, and I know I've trusted you, I don't want to live. Mm-hmm. And he was delivered. He got delivered. And I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. He used to pick up prostitutes. Mm-hmm. He'd go and take and get them a meal and tell them about Jesus. I can't do that. Not because I felt like I would fall, but I don't know. I'd be afraid that somebody would get the wrong idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but he could, and he'd tell his wife. Now now you know I would minister to a prostitute. I'd minister to a homosexual. I'd minister to anybody if I had the opportunity and the right perspective. That's right. Um. I, I'm very careful about some things. Um, I've even had my daughter come and just back into the floor of church because it didn't need it, just because there was going to be a lady present. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that kind That's of thing. Wisdom. Yeah. So anyway, um, and this was an 80-year-old woman. I didn't mean that like that sounded. Lord forgive me. And I, I was in my 40s, you know, but still, I mean, she's old enough to be my mother, but still, you know, I didn't know her. She was interested in the church. He said, can I come by the church one day, Pastor? I said, sure. I said, Marshall, come by the church and vacuum. And uh, so, because we didn't have a secretary and, and, you know, on staff. All right, so anyway, um, where was I at? We was under? Christ destroyed yeah, the power. Okay. Yep. All right, let's move on. And uh, Christ accomplished victory over the power of sin by, the role, by his role as son of man, bearing the cross daily. Did you hear what it said? Mm-hmm. By being the son of man. The flesh, his self-denial, his obedience. Christ accomplished the destruction and end to the guilt in the hour of his passion upon the cross. He destroyed the guilt. Through the power of the cross, we receive the equal share of both the deliverance. That's the word that should be there. The deliverance from the power of sin. Those three words. The acquittal from its guilt at the same time. Acquittal means we're not guilty. Let me just make an emphasis here. Read that one more time. I'm sorry. Okay. Through the power of the cross, we receive the equal share of both the deliverance, that's the first word, from the power of sin and the acquittal from its guilt at the same time. If somebody appears in the courtroom, I'm just going to say it this way. No matter what the evidence is, and if the evidence is not strong enough, and they release that person, and they say that they're not guilty, 
And they know in the deepest of their heart they're guilty of sin. That appeal says they didn't do it. That's how strong it is with God. You see that? That's powerful. But the difference is that man may go out and do it and do it and do it and do it because he thought, well, I got by with it. But with God, we're a new person. Yeah. We're a new person. That's not who we are anymore. That's right. So we are that, guilty and we're still acquitted. Mm-hmm. Whatever those sins might be. Yep. Look at Col- look at our text, Colossians 1.20 again, and consider these things on page 44. Sin had brought a change. Sin had brought about a change in God in relation toward us. That is to say that God didn't change his nature. So we're not trying to say God changes because actually even uh, the Bible says, you know, he's the same day tomorrow and forever. All right, this is to say that God didn't change his nature. B, sin calls for the wrath of God to be poured out. So there has to be judgment. We've already talked about the cross cannot be uh, separated from judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay, then, number two, what Christ accomplished sufficed and pleased God. If we look back at the Amplified, and it's, it's here, it says, And God purposed that through, by the service, the intervention of Him, the Son, all things should be completely, not partly, completely reconciled back to Him whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace by the means of the blood of his cross. That's that's disposing or showing the actual nature of Christ, is to bring peace, to bring back to that of reconciliation, to bring back that of restoration. God's plan Jesus, he used Jesus as the mediator, and reconciliation was made by and through the work of the cross when he poured out his blood for a covering. Living in the fellowship of the power of the cross. Remember, the two effect, powerful effects of the cross are one, the effect of the cross in the blotting out. The next word should be of guilt. Mm-hmm. Blotting out of guilt. And our renewed union with God. So the power of this effect is that our sins have been blotted out. And it's definitely dealing with the guilt. So why should we run around with guilt? The breaking down of the authority of sin over man by the sacrifice of self. Sacrifice of self. All right, the Apostle Paul gives us scripture for our reconciliation and daily victory over sin. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13, and I can't remember what the HNV is, uh, but it's, it's a translation. Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Just the very fact that he hung on a tree showed Condemnation. Mm-hmm. He showed a curse. It declares our salvation from God's wrath. Why? Because he took our wrath. 
He declares our redemption, which brings us back into peace with God, which brings reconciliation. Our redemption brings that of, of, of forgiveness, our forgiveness. If you really forgive somebody, you don't hold that over their head. See, forgiveness declares our removal of guilt. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, and I believe this is out of the basic, uh, the Bible basic English is what that means. I have been put to death on the cross with Christ. Still I, still I am alive, no longer I, but Christ is living in me. And that life which I now am living in the flesh, now we're not all so heavily minded, we're not still in the flesh. I am living by what? The faith of the Son of God. It says the faith of the Son of God. What's God's confidence? That it's going to be accomplished. God's got confidence that we can do it. Who in, who in love for me gave himself for me? All right, Galatians 5, 24, and that A means the Apocrypha. It was, it, that's the other books that are listed. It, it, I don't know why I took it out of that, but it, but it came up that way. Uh, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. In Galatians uh, chapter 6 and verse number 14, and that R means it was a red letter Bible. But God forbid that I should glory save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I into the world. Paul is saying there, there's nothing for me to glory in except the cross of the Lord Jesus. The fact of this identity that you've got the Savior and you've got the cross. Or you've got judgment and the cross, and they can't be inseparable. Right. All right, we're going to uh, stop right there, and we'll come back. And we'll pick up where it says student time of discussion on these passages. Okay. All right.